From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, High Places of Defense. The text is found in Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 16. He shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rock. Bread shall be given him. His waters shall be sure. The man to whom God has given grace to be of blameless life dwells in perfect security. He dwells on high, above the world, out of gunshot of the enemy, and near to heaven. He has high aims and motives, and he finds high comforts and company. He rejoices in the mountains of eternal love, wherein he has his abode. He is defended by munitions of stupendous rock. The firmest things in the universe are the promises and purposes of the unchanging God, and these are the safeguard of the obedient believer. He is provided for by this great promise, bread shall be given him. As the enemy cannot climb the fort nor break down the rampart, so the fortress cannot be captured by siege and famine. The Lord who rained manna in the wilderness will keep his people in good store even when they are surrounded by those who would starve them. But what if water should fail? That cannot be. His waters shall be sure. There is a never-failing well within the impregnable fortress. The Lord sees that nothing is wanting. None can touch the citizen of the true Zion. However fierce the enemy, the Lord will preserve his chosen.
As God's people prepare to enter into the Christmas season, they meet with much that distracts and detracts from what should be the main focus of this joyous time of year, the incarnation of God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Too often, the demands of holiday traditions and the increasing secularization of this special time obscure the glad news of the angels. Unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. To assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, let the Bible Speak is happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas. Written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer, The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book containing 24 Christmas devotions, each including a short scripture reading, and a concluding portion that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus on the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make this inspirational booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. By phone, call 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We encourage you to request your free copy of The Twelve Days of Christmas today. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he continues a message entitled, Christ Beloved by God, Blasphemed by Men. From the text in Matthew chapter 12, Dr. Cairns presents a great contrast between the narrow-minded, self-centered Pharisees and the compassionate, loving Christ in the setting of the healing of the man with the withered hand. Whereas the Pharisees rejected Jesus and determined to kill him, God the Father demonstrated his love for Christ in three ways. First, the Father loved the Son as his servant, delighting to do God's will. Then the Father loves the Son as the Savior of sinners, especially those who seem hopeless in the world's eyes. Finally, the Father loves his Son as the conqueror of Satan, fulfilling the promise made in the Garden of Eden that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. There is only one answer to the dilemma for those who hate Christ. They must surrender to him. Now Dr. Cairns will conclude this message, Christ beloved by God, blasphemed by men. Despite the hatred of man, Christ 
is beloved of God in three ways, and I'll only mention them. First, as the servant of God. I like this. Behold my servant. This is the Son of God in his humiliation. This is him having laid aside the resplendent robes of glory. This is him having laid aside his eternal invisibility. This is the Son of God come in the flesh in humiliation. In form and fashion of a man. Man despised him in that state. The Jews rejected him in that state. They wanted a Messiah, but they wanted a Messiah of a different kind. They wanted a soldier. They wanted a statesman. They wanted somebody who would get out into the streets, who would raise the people in the streets. They had no time for this one who would come and would not raise his voice in the streets, who would not raise the rabble, who would not lead a revolution, but who came to be a redeemer. They rejected such a one, despised him. But then the Father loved him and delighted in him. And he particularly delighted in his obedience even unto death. We have often read those words of Philippians 2, which speak of the mind of Christ who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation etc. But right down there are steps, seven steps right down to the depths of Christ's humiliation and then there are seven steps up in his exaltation but notice what verse 9 says having plumbed the depths of his humiliation wherefore God have highly exalted him. Why did God exalt him? Because he was delighted with his humiliation. He was delighted with his service of obedience unto death. It's a huge subject, Christ, the faithful servant. I will not try to pursue it this morning, but for that God loved him. Second, God loved him as the Savior of sinners. He anointed him with the Spirit of God. I will put my Spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. The Father endowed him with all necessary gifts and all the graces of the Holy Ghost for his work. As we read, he gave the Spirit without measure unto him. And he sent him to declare judgment. It's a huge term. Most modern translations, or many of them, say it means justice. There are a couple of texts where that would seem to be the force of the word. Some other people say it means he declared himself to be the judge and the mediatorial king. I suppose I can see that too. But you know, when the Lord Jesus declared judgment, for example, in John 12, when he declared, now is the judgment of this world... That's what he came to declare. The judgment. And it was God's verdict on man's sin. He came to speak of what God was going to do with sin. 
Ah, but here's the beauty of it. He came to show what God would do with sin by letting it be seen first in himself. And I believe when he came declaring judgment, he came declaring, for example, the message that he gave to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. He says, indeed, here is God's judgment on sin, but ere it reaches the sinner, it reaches me, the Savior. My, what a glorious thing that in announcing judgment, he announced the grace of salvation. God loved him as the Savior of sinners. And what a Savior. God sent him to the weak and the weary, the bruised and the broken. It says the bruised reed, he'll not break. The smoking flax, he will not quench. The Lord loved his son, not only as the servant of God, but as the savior of sinners, as the expression of God's patience and kindness and mercy to the weakest and even to the most obnoxious. We see it in the case of the man with the withered hand. The religious leaders thought nothing of leaving him like that. We saw it, we see it in the case of the blind and dumb man possessed with the devil. Here's the awful thing. Here's the awful thing. The Pharisees were quite happy to leave that man like that so long as they could hold on to their own dirty little bunch of prejudices. They just leave him like that. Consign him to oblivion, even to hell. Let him go to hell. Just leave us in our own rotten little prejudices. But not so Christ. Not so the Son of God. I can't think of anything in the Bible that more tells me of the tender compassion of the Lord Jesus. I've often referred to this text in some detail, so I'll not go into detail this morning. But it doesn't matter how you look at that reed. A bruised reed is really fit for nothing. Some reeds were used to be made into writing instruments. Once they were bruised, you could never write with them. Other reeds were used to be put into musical instruments. Once they were bruised, you could never play them. Here's a life that by human standards is useless. Here's a life that's not going to produce any melody, harmony, music for this old world. And the world would give it up. It's worthless. I mean, one single, bruised, useless reed. Let me stop and ask me, what attention would you give to a stalk, a broken stalk of grass out of your backyard? What attention would you give to it? None. 
It's not worth it. You're that broken reed. Or that bruised reed. And so am I. But the Lord Jesus wouldn't break us. And it's not only that he wouldn't break us, the idea of the whole New Testament is he does what no one else could do. He can put it together and make it whole again. So that the life that was useless now becomes useful to God. Not smoking flax. He'll not quench it. That's amazing. You know what smoke getting up your nose is like? Smoke in your nostrils? The thing you want to do is, let's get that thing out. Our lives have stunk in the nostrils of a holy God. Angered and provoked him. And yet, he wouldn't quench us. Oh, the Father loves him as the Savior of sinners. And finally, he loves him as the conqueror of Satan. He'll bring forth judgment unto victory. He will establish his righteousness in the earth. Verse 29, he will bind the strong man. It's total conquest. Christ conquered Satan in his own life, in his own death, in his own resurrection. Christ conquers Satan in the lives of all those whom he saves. Demonstrated here in the healing of the man who was blind and dumb and demonized. <laughs> Demonstrated much better, as far as we're concerned, in your life and mine. Christ is still conquering Satan. And thank God he'll do so in the climax of the ages, which we have read of already this morning in that day of judgment, when God will bring every word into judgment. God loves his Son. And God has chosen his Son. Evil men blaspheme him. Now there's the two extremes. Jesus says... Verse 30, no neutrality. You're either for me or you're against me. You love me or you hate me. You choose me or you reject me. There's no middle ground. God loves his son. Man hate his son. If you're going to be with God, you will love his son. You will choose his son. You will treat his son as he does with total acceptance. To do otherwise is to use Paul's words to be without God, without Christ, and without hope. I trust this morning that you'll see something of the beauty, the loveliness the love and the kindness, the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I trust that in seeing Christ, you'll be drawn to him and say, God loves him. God chooses him. And by the grace of God, so do I. This is my Christ, 
my Lord, my God, my Savior. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee that thy Son is thy beloved. And, O God, we can honestly say that by thy grace, he's our beloved too. This is my beloved. The bride tells us in the Song of Solomon, this is my beloved. He's altogether lovely. Father, today we rejoice in him. We think of those who know him not. We think, O Lord, of people who have religion without Christ, or people who are irreligious and despising of Christ. God have mercy. Oh, God have mercy. And we pray that some this day will, by thy grace, look away to Christ. For thou said, there's life for a look at him. Hear our prayer, and part is now with thy blessing. Give fruit for the preaching of thy word. Grant that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit our Comforter, may be with us now and evermore. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. Music